and welcome to Two Marks and a Mike podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to talk about the best manager to ever grace a squared circle, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I agree. I agree. Everything from manager skills to on the mic commentary, everything he touched was gold in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree too. Um, he Just his comedic timing, his his chemistry with, with the wrestlers, with people, uh, his the way that he would just call, he would call normal people or the fans call ham and eggers, you know, which means, you know, humanoids, humanoids, ham yeah. and eggers, and his one liners. Oh my God. Were they so good? He made it so much fun to watch because you never knew what he was going to say next. Yeah. And we had mentioned in our managers podcast that the whole role of a manager is to give a voice to some of the wrestlers who didn't have it. I mean, Andre the giant. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, well, his stature, he didn't need a manager, but delivery, he needed Heenan. Well, that's the thing is because no matter how big you are, no matter how talented you are, as Andre was for a big guy, part of this business is to be able to talk mm-hmm. on a microphone. And first off, Andre had a very deep voice. He had a heavy French accent, so he needed a mouthpiece. Agreed. He, he need, and you get guys that are just smash mouth dudes like his tag team Brain Busters, which is just totally Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Those guys, you know, they could talk. He enhanced their ability. Yeah. You know what I mean? No disrespect to Double A. He was more of an in-ring performer, and he had, he had psychology, he had timing, he had all that. But from what I can recall, they didn't have the, the mic skills there yet. A hundred percent. And you got to think, this is an era where you're kind of not competing with promos of the likes of Ultimate Warrior, who Lord knows the tangents he'd go on, but right. it was selling. Hogan on the mic, I mean, was just poetry in motion. Well, so Heenan was able to really give a voice on those backstage interviews. I agree. And then, you know, because you never know what he was going to say next. And also, at this point in time, the two best talkers that were actual wrestlers, in my mind, were Randy Savage and Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, he was just a great talker. Uh, Bobby Heenan, uh, he did wonders for the managerial aspect as a whole. I mean, to me, he is the golden standard of, of managers. Oh, a thousand percent. And he was, at that time, grouped in with other positive managers like Mr. Fuji and Slick, but... They weren't being used on the mic commentary-wise. Like, I knew Bobby the Brain Heaton was a manager, but I always, he's always a commentator first as my favorite, one of my favorite commentators of all time. Right, with his tag team of him and Gorilla Monsoon on. The best. I remember remember those old uh, primetime Monday nights. This is before Raw even existed. Mm. Um, It was him and Monsoon, and it was just, you know, it it was like a studio setting, and they would show matches and stuff like that. But um, so good, he, he, like those two together, their their chemistry and their and you you can tell they had real friendship in real life. And not taking anything away of what Monsoon had with Jesse Ventura because that was gold too. Right. I just think there's more of a genuine interaction between Gorilla Monsoon it, and Bobby Heenan. It felt more fluid. It felt more percent. and it felt more uh, more genuine. Mm-hmm. because you could tell they were actually friends. Yeah, and the only other set of commentators that I have felt actually had that chemistry was J.R. and King. Exactly. As far as on my commentator, Mount Rushmore, J.R., Bobby Heenan, Gorilla, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that before. A lot of people don't realize about Bobby Heenan was his in-ring ability because mm. he was a very accomplished wrestler <clears throat> before he became a manager. Yeah, and the funny thing was is... I remember being younger and seeing him and Monsoon on Double Dare, total side point. And when they were doing their physical challenge at the end, 
Gorilla Monsoon suplexed Bobby Heenan. And I'd never seen Bobby Heenan be suplexed ever. Sue actually suplexed him in like a, their slime. pit full of foam or whatever they right. had slime. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, wow, he just, you know, even as a kid being like, holy cow, like the brain just took that bump. Uh-huh. So you forget, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite thing is when he would put on the weasel suit. Yes. Like he would like, he'd fling around the ring and try to get it off, but he couldn't get it off because <laughs> he had those mittens on and stuff. It was just, I mean, it was just very entertaining with him. And when you watched it, it was, it was going to be something funny. Some of the talent that he's managed, he managed, like I said before, the Brain Busters, which was uh, Arn Anderson and yep. Tully Blanchard. Yeah, Barbarian. Barbarian, Andre, Haku. Big John Studd. Uh, Big John Studd. Rude, perfect. Good talent. It was almost as if you had to have a certain level of talent to be managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mm. Like, you had to be able to go, and you had to be, like, Rick Rude... I hated Rick Rude, and not in a in a bad way. I hated him because he was, he was a good heel. He was a great heel. He did his job, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and, if, and if a good heel does their job, you're like, I want to see them lose, and I want to see them, so, you know, pay for what they're doing. Like that. A side note: the angle with with back then of Rick Rude and Jake the Snake, where he had a picture of Jake's wife on his tights, yep. and he kept gyrating his yep. hips and stuff. That's classic can, stuff. You have to hate that. Yeah. How know, could you not so hate good. that? Yeah. And then, you know, when Jake eventually beats him, it's so much sweeter. Yeah. But but when you have a heater like Bobby, the brain Heenan, it just made it so much better. And that's the best way to describe him. He was the heater on that because Perfect and Rick Rude, those are types of talent that can hold their own on the mic, can hold their own on the ring. But it just gives you that extra, like, God, I just hate this guy even more because right. of Heenan. Exactly. But, you know, but you get guys like like like, like Kurt Henning, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect, and, and Rick Rude. You, it's just um, their, their in-ring ability speaks for itself. But they he injected a bit of legitimacy. I mean, and by he, I mean Heenan, to those guys. And Perfect couldn't – I don't think he could cut a funny promo. I agree. You know what I mean? And neither could Rude. Uh, mm-hmm. Rude, Rude was a good talker, but – uh, you know, but but having Heenan really truly enhanced his, and, and it goes with all those guys like Haku. Because yeah. I don't know, <clears throat> and this I don't want to mean this to be disparaging towards Haku. Um, I don't know how well his English was. Sure. So he needed someone to, you know, he's an island boy, so he, yeah. he needs to have that mouthpiece. And when you talk about the level of legitimacy that you have to have to be managed by Heenan. Even, and this is way later on, when Ric Flair came over from WCW, he didn't need Heenan. Ric no. Flair can throw that mic for hours, but Heenan was a good driving force to smoothly transition Ric Flair into WWF. Exactly. And when he when he would come down and go, oh, Monsoon, that robe cost $5,000. Yeah. He would just throw that, you know, or... I'm a broadcast journalist. Exactly. Yeah, and he goes, yeah. really? Really? Yeah. Will you stop? That was, yeah, will you stop? Exactly. Yeah. Or my favorite one was, don't start. Like, he would start, because <laughs> like, uh, there was WrestleMania 8. It was him and Monsoon. They were up in the announcer booth. And he would be like, what are you looking for? He goes, I'm looking for that centerfold of a... Li-. Don't start. Yeah. But could tell he had a lot of passion for the business, a lot of love for it. I love this commentary, even with McMahon, when, when Raw started. Hell yeah. Uh, and it, 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 he just, he could take anybody and, and make it, just make gold with it. And one thing that I was really impressed with, even at a younger age watching Heenan, when Raw was kind of a new generation, Heenan was able to still stick with it and keep it relevant. And it's not he's not just like an old school guy setting old school ways. And 
he was, you know, evolving was, and wearing the colorful raw jackets and right. stuff like that. He was you know? a, he was able to move with the time. You have all these older guys, like, you know, your uh, your Nick Bockwinkles and stuff like that. Not saying they weren't good wrestlers because they were, but they're not sports entertainers. And I the one thing that I really appreciated Heenan was calling his stable the Heenan family. Because you knew all these individual wrestlers, and they may not have even been chummy altogether outside. Some may. I don't know. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. But you always had a sense of, well, that's the Heenan family. They all have each other's back, because that was what he named his stable. And I don't think any of the other managers really had a name for their stables or their factions or whatever. No, I don't think they did. I think it was very much a... And I don't... And in all honesty, I'm going to be candid here, I think the Heenan family was more of a mob term. Yeah, it's true. Because it was a mob of guys, right? Yeah, oh, so, a huge mob of guys. So, I mean, and you know, I don't know... I don't remember them being a whole lot of run-ins back then. Yeah. You know, I think that they maybe, you know, because it just wasn't a thing, because DQs weren't a thing. D DQs were taken very seriously back then. Yeah, you definitely see, it's funny you say that, because you there was definitely a, disqualifications, they happened every now and then, back in like the late 80s and stuff, early 90s, but it seems the more longevity that, and the longer these um, weekly shows were going, you have to have TV time for the next week. So you have to just, you know, well, have these types of DQ count outs. Exactly. Job screw job endings. Because, you know, you can't just, when you, when you did the transition from live or from tape to live, it's a whole different creature. Yeah. So you have to have that continuation and you have to have, because back, back in the eighties, you know, you, Jimmy Hart could bonk somebody on the head with a, with a megaphone and you can get a six month run out of that. Yeah. Now you have to set somebody on fire. Yeah, because you know every that. week there's somebody on there. So now we can transition into him, some of the talent that he's managed. Like um, I remember back in the day, it was Blackjack Lanza, uh, Brooklyn Brawler, Big John Stud, Haku. It just the, the level of talent that he had between you know like the Perfects and the Rudes and the Onto the Giants and and he was the one that actually convinced Andre to do a title push. Because they, you know, WrestleMania three, uh, WrestleMania one was the fifteen thousand dollars slam challenge. With Big John Stud, with Big John Stud, that he, you know, and he's and Andre's throwing the money out in the crowd and stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was very entertaining and very. Um, and he could push those matches. He could. He was a good way of selling those types of matches because that's two members at that time of the Heenan family. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I think at that time Big John Stud had turned away, and um, that was still members of the Heenan family that were, you know, kind of going at it, and that was a good sell for even back then in 1982. You know, we're going to talk about his WCW time now and how he was so incredibly unhappy there. He had he left WWE on good terms. He wanted to do television yeah and he you know it didn't it didn't pan out the way he wanted to he got a call from eric bischoff and eric bischoff was poaching talent left and right back then he's like come down check it out and then if you watch heenan's documentary thing on peacock it's a 45 minute thing it's worth watching it gives you some insight he doesn't speak on it personally because he physically couldn't mm -hmm. i think at the time because the, the it was it was stage four basal cell carcinoma in his in his throat. It's it's just a terrible disease. So he was he he just wasn't able to survive it. wasn't able to kick it because he had been sick for so long. He didn't know it. Uh, unfortunately, it took his life. But his time back back to his time in WCW, it was he said it was the most unprofessional company he's ever worked for. Oh, I can't imagine going from WWF at that time going into the WCW and. At that time, WCW was poaching all the older talent that was jumping ship, and Heenan just fit that narrative. 
He, he fit that 80s narrative mm-hmm. and that late 90s vibe, you know, that of talent that they were poaching. And here's my reasoning behind the poaching of the talent. Because it's like, say, for example, someone stepped away from wrestling for a couple of years. Okay. Well, they come back to it and they see Hogan. And they see Savage, they see Heenan, they see, you know, uh, all these other guys, you know, Mean Gene Okerlund and stuff. They, they see him and, like, oh, this is the wrestling I used to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Totally wasn't. It, the only thing that, you know, and we've touched on this in a previous podcast, and I'm not going to go into a rant about it, but the only thing that WCW had, for, had, had going for it in this time frame was the cruiserweights. Bar none, mm-hmm. that was it. So, but anyways, back to back to Heenan. And, and Heenan with Shivani was just a not. terrible. But first off, I'm not trying to take a dump on Shivani, but he is he's. I don't know why that guy keeps getting color commentating jobs because he's he has the personality of drywall. And I hate to say that because I believe sure he's a he, nice I believe dude. he has a great mind for wrestling. He has a great mind for the business. Right. I know he's a as he's a huge resource in AEW now. But back then, he was to me anyway. And, and I don't want to speak for all wrestling fans, but for me personally, he's just a very dry commentator. Right? Yeah. Like, but anyways, back to Heenan. I think he did a fantastic job. I, if you, I, I know we're we're condensing his career in a very short amount of time here. But we talked about his career. It would be a three and a half hour podcast. And one other thing too um I, I know we talked about when flair coming over from wcw i know we're going back to when he was in wwe and we're kind of going back and forth but with uh when flair was uh, jumping into wwf also when luger came into wwf huge build-up around heenan introducing him for weeks on end the narcissist the narcissist is coming and i truly believe that they really needed a manager like heenan to push. bring Luger in to give him that la- that yeah, push because see the aforementioned comment about the personality of drywall mm-hmm. mm, like exactly Luger, you know I mean he granted he could kind of go in the ring he just he's just your typical big guy and that was the majority of his talent yeah. like Hercules I mean he swung a chain around didn't do anything on the mic right Andre big guy very strong in the ring couldn't do much on the mic I mean right. he was a lot of talent that way mm-hmm. but I'm saying like with with Luger and it's like I said not to speak ill but this is just an, uh, an objective point of view. That he um, his his ability in the ring just wasn't there. I mean, you know, he was all power moves and stuff like that. He's not going to be your catch a sketch can wrestler, anyways. But it's a, and his mic skills, I don't feel were there either. And they, Never, no. And way. also, they used him to replace Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah, some other guys who he has here. I don't even remember him being uh, managing the Red Rooster. I do believe, actually, no, I do believe that. I do believe he started out managing the Red Rooster, and I think that's how Red Rooster got his big baby face push. Right. Which Red- seems to be that's how majority of heels back then got their baby face push was right. turning on Hogan. I know Andre did it in WrestleMania six. you know, right. so I mean it's... No, it was WrestleMania uh, three. Well, I know in six, that was when Haku and Andre lost the demolition. Right. And he blamed Andre for getting caught in the ropes oh, or oh, whatever. Because okay. they... he turned on Hogan at WrestleMania six. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I heard that right. But um, no, it's a, um, yeah, he did he did manage Red Roost there for a little bit, a.k.a. Terry Taylor. And, t- and still to this day, Terry Taylor is considered one of the best behind-the-scenes guys. Very active. In, in the business. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but Triple H credits Terry Taylor for helping him early in his career. The laundry list of Heenan family members that's on here, and you had said, which is funny because I don't remember this, but uh, you do, is that when he was managing Brooklyn Brawler, I always knew Brooklyn Brawler as the jobber. Mm-hmm. He was like the main jobber every right. Saturday in Superstars, but well, you were saying you remember him being legit. Yeah, he was in the, in the early in his career. But, you know, he was very much a Barry Horowitz. 
yeah. you know, towards the end of his career as, as the Brooklyn Brawler. He wore the ripped shirt and the jeans and all that stuff. He's a good worker. Oh, but absolutely. He, he, they would have kept him around so long. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and not only in the ring, but also in behind the scenes, too. But yet again, it's just another, another part of the... I'm not saying that's because of Heenan. That's because of, of his work ethic. Mm. You know what I mean? But having Heenan truly would help enhance the talent. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, there's so many good managers they had in the history, but I just think he's on a whole nother level from past to present. Right. I, there's just no other level of manager as Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I don't think there ever will be again. No. You know, I mean, it's like it's like that Stone Cold era. You're never going to have that fire again, at least not in our lifetime. Yeah, you know? and you always knew a Heenan family member was wrestling because Heenan was always very active in matches mm-hmm. and – he, you always heard his voice. You always heard he always had a he always portrayed a huge passion for his family members. And then he would go back in the commentary, which I loved it. Yeah. I loved that. He would be like, all right, and he would go and he would come back in commentary. Yeah. And if some if there was a in his mind a screw job ending and then he'd go, Oh, Gorilla, though da, 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 da. Yeah. you know, and then they just well, go back on. Prime example of that <laughs> is WrestleMania eight with uh Macho Man versus Ric Flair. Yep. Macho Man pulled the tights. It's yep. like he had the tights, stuff like that. All in all, I don't think we'll ever see another Bobby Heenan. Um, he was some special. He really was. Really and, some special. And we feel, you know, we just wanted to give him his, pro- his due and proper on our end. Yeah, and what, like a little backstory in that part is, you know, we had our manager episode and we were sitting down and we were talking to other managers. And obviously Heenan was the number one manager on that list. And we were like, let's just... Let's just give him his own spotlight. Yeah, because we can talk about him his, forever. Uh, his own episode for sure, or spotlight, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he definitely deserves it. Uh, he is. I still think his his absence is still felt to this day. A thousand percent. And he was also a good team player. Like he would get in the toga for WrestleMania nine and go yeah. backwards on a donkey, you know, yeah. or, or camel, camel, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. And like, oh man, it's so so good, so yeah. good. I he, miss him. Yep, I do too. So I think that's going to wrap it up for our Bobby the Brain Heenan spotlight. Yeah, I'm glad uh, we did it. Yeah, me too. So thank you for listening. Thank and you. We will catch you next time.